Good morning, church. Glad to have you with us today. My name is Bruce Rokas, and along with Mike Moran, I serve as one of the preaching and teaching pastors here at Cross Point. Mike Moran, by the way, and a number of chaperones and a number of our young people are at uh, Zion National Park in Utah this morning. I believe they are probably on their way back or soon will be on their way home. Do they get home tonight? I believe. Okay. So let's keep them in prayer today and and Scott or whoever does our closing prayer if you will keep them lifted up to God for travel mercies. Uh, did you get an outline this morning? Did you get a bulletin? Go ahead and pull that out. We're going to a series right now called 10 Values That Build Strong Families. And actually what we're doing is we're taking a look at the Ten Commandments because when we learn God's basics, His principles, uh, these commandments are not here to hurt us, they're here to help us, they're to build strong families. Strong families build strong churches, strong churches build strong nations. But this is the foundation right here, the Word of God. Now just in way of review, the first week we looked at the first commandment. It uh, is in the form of a red ribbon. Remember I told you to picture a red ribbon? And in that red ribbon, there's a, a number one. That just simply means there's one God, and He's supposed to be first place in my life. Last week, we looked at the second commandment. You see a man there bowing down to like a little statue in the form of a number two. See, by the end of this series, you're going you're gonna to learn all ten of these commandments if you could just have a photographic memory and remember pictures. I like pictures. I like books with lots of pictures. So here's a little picture of a number two bowing down to an idol. Don't do that. And remember last week we said, it's not just creating an image with your hands, but you can create an image of God with your mind, can't you? You can create a God in your own mind that suits your own belief system. You can create a God in your mind to fit your lifestyle. And in actuality, what you're doing is you're telling God what He's supposed to be like. No, God tells us in His Word what He's like. Now, in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, Romeo asks a question that I want us to ask this morning. What's in a name? He said, a rose by any other name is still smells as sweet. But what Romeo didn't understand was in Bible times... And especially when it comes to God, a name is very, very important. What's in a name? God says a whole lot when it's my name. The third commandment, you might think of it as some lips. See those lips? Everyone turn your go sideways and go. See, with your lips, you can praise God or you can curse God or reduce God down to an oh wow, an OMG. Don't do that. See, he's a holy God. He says, my Ten Commandments are in descending order. This is number three in the Big Ten. If we're going to get along with God, we need to understand what he's like. And third on the list, folks, is reverence the name of the Lord. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't use your lips so loosely and unaccounted for when it comes to God's name. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 puts it like this. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. He's your God, 
and, and he wants you to have a relationship, but don't get so comfortable that you're talking to, hey, Daddy-O, Big Daddy-O in the sky. No, no, no. He is a holy God. His name is to be reverent. His name is to be held high. He's the God that gave you life. He's the God that gave you eyes to see, ears to hear, a mouth to speak, hands to use and work, feet to carry there, and breath to breathe. Reverence the name of the Lord. Why? Because in Bible times, a name represented three things. It represented your reputation, your character, and your authority. Have you ever heard someone say, he's making a name for himself, or she's making a name for herself? Uh, that can go either way, can it? That's one of those double-edged swords. Uh, would you agree with me that Adolf Hitler made a name for himself, but not in a very good way? But how about Mother Teresa? She made a name for herself, but in a very good way, by, by going to Calcutta, India, and, and ministering to the lepers, the outcasts of society. God bless that woman. She made a name for herself. She took the name of God seriously. It represents not only reputation, it represents character. In Bible times, you know, we tend to name our kids by the way a name might sound. Tiffany. Oh, isn't that sweet? But in Bible times, they didn't do that. They, they, would, they would name a child based on maybe a characteristic they wanted in that child. And so they might name their child honesty or courageous. And sometimes in the Bible, when God was trying to change who you once were into something you could become, he would change your name. Remember, Abram's name was changed to what? Abraham, father of many nations. Sarai, contentious woman, to Sarah, princess. Uh, you've got Jacob, conniver, grabber, changed to Israel. You got Simon, wishy-washy Simon, changed to Peter, solid rock foundation. Saul changed to Paul. So oftentimes in the Bible, God would change a name based on the character he was trying to produce. And then number three, God says, don't mess with my name. Don't misuse it. It's a big deal because it represents my authority. You, do, do you remember the old movies? Uh, the policeman might be chasing a bad guy and say, stop in the name of what? The law. Why? Because there's authority in the law. And God says, don't misuse my name. Don't defame it for three reasons. Because it represents my reputation, my character, and my authority. The final authority starts and stops with God. Let's remember that. Now let's take a look at some ways we can misuse God's name. And yes, even Christians do this. Uh, we don't take his name as seriously as we think. Well, I know we're not supposed to, but it's not really that big a deal. Well, God says it is. I'm going to listen to God rather than you. Sometimes we use God's name as an insult. Or you might think of it as a cuss word. And America is a foul-mouthed nation. Wouldn't you agree with me? Do you hear the talk in public that only used to be said in private today? I was at a grocery store the other day, and a mom was yelling at her kids, and she used a word that, whoa, you're not supposed to use that word. 
with anybody, much less your kids at home, but you're doing this in a public place, and nobody flinched. It was just so common a word nowadays. Our, we, comedians don't make us laugh unless they cuss. We go to the movies, and it's filled with cuss words. And, and God says, why would you reduce my name to a cuss word? You say, Bruce, what are you talking about? Ever heard GD? You know what I'm talking about. Yes, even Christians, I have heard say that. They take the name of a holy God, a God that gave them breath to breathe, eyes to see, and eternal life, and reduce his name to a cuss word. I'm hanging a picture in my house. I got a, a nail in one hand, a hammer in the other, and whack, I hit the wrong nail. And out of my mouth comes GD. Isn't that horrible? Who among you would, st would, would, would use the name, who's someone you revere in our country? How about Martin Luther King? I love that guy, what he stood for and the rights that he stood up for. How many of you hit your thumb and say, ah, Martin Luther King? And we just talked about Mother Teresa. Whack, Mother Teresa. We would never think of using their names so irreverently, would we? And yet we would take the name of a holy God and reduce it to a GD cuss word? Uh, I hope the Holy Spirit's moving today and some elbows. You know, The Holy Spirit will not guilt you, but he will convict you. Sometimes, why just say gosh? Mm. You're, you're trying to see how close to the edge you can get. I say, let's see how close to the center we can get. Let's, let's stay to the safety of the inside rail rather than the outside rail. You see where I'm coming from? All right. Secondly, we can use God's name to indulge. Making promises we don't intend to keep. Watch, watch Leviticus 19.12. Do not make a promise in my name. Notice, I swear to God. That's a promise. If you do not intend to keep it, that brings disgrace on my name. I swear to God, I will. if you loan me $100 today, I will pay you on Friday with interest. And you have no intention of keeping it, yet you invoke the name of God. You indulged your request by shoving God's name in there like, oh, wow, if you're going to, man, man it's not like you're serious. Okay, I, get, I guess I can trust you if you're going to invoke the name of a holy God with a promise. But then you don't keep it. God says that brings disgrace. Don't do that. Kids, don't say, God didn't want me to clean my room today. Don't do that. I didn't feel led to pay you back. I prayed about it, and God doesn't want me to honor that contract. Get out of here. Jesus in the New Testament said, let your yes be yes. You make a deal, and you say yes. You make a handshake. It's done. No getting out of it. So, when you make an oath, when you make a promise, and you invoke the name of God, you keep it. You'd be very, very slow to enter into a promise and make sure that you can back it up. Number three, using God's name to intimidate. I love this one. Anyone ever come to you and say, God told me to tell you. Right. And it usually has to do with money, right? Or something they want, want you to do. No, God, 
someone came to me and says, hey, God told me to tell you to, to loan me $100. Let's make it 1000 You know what I would say? Well, why didn't God just tell me? <laughs> we can save us all a bunch of problems. Now, if God told me, I would do it. But if God told you to tell me, ain't going to happen. That's just out of the question. doesn't make any sense. And you know, sometimes parents will do this with their kids. If you kids keep that behavior up, God's going to get you. Any of you do that? I heard that a few times growing up. And then when we kept up the behavior and we got hurt, see, I told you God would get you. Hey, parents, don't, don't pull that one. You speak for yourself. Don't claim to speak for God. That's all on you. Don't indulge by using the name of God in that way to intimidate. Number four, using God's name to impress. This is kind of like name dropping. You ever, you ever meet with people? Yeah, me and Bill Gates were out the other day having lunch. Yeah, Warren Buffett showed up and then a few others. Don't do that. Insecure believers will sometimes use spiritual gar- jargon like, bless God, praise God, hallelujah, Jesus. Talk doesn't impress people. You know what impresses people? Walk. The action. Not talking the talk, but actually walking the walk. Titus 1.16 says, They claim to know God, but by their actions, they what? Deny Him. Well, you know I'm a Christian. Oh, really? You ever go to church? I never see it. No, don't go to church. Uh, you ever have a quiet time then with God? No, what's a quiet time? Well, you know, like prayer and open your Bible and that. No. Well, do you tithe your income? No. Do you sing songs to Jesus? No. All talk, right? You can claim to be anything, but it's all talk unless you back it up with your actions. They just become words. By their actions, they deny Him. And then fifthly, you can, you can misuse the name of God by using God's name impulsively or carelessly or sort of in a flippant way. When we use God's name as a convenient expression to show fear, maybe to show anger, maybe to show joy, maybe to show uh, amazement. Remember that? program on television a number of years ago it hadn't been on for a while but it's where they would send a family on vacation for a week and then they would go and build them a brand new house right and a room for every one of the kids remember that i forget what it's called but then when the family would get home they would hide him behind a bus and they'd say bus driver move the bus and the bus would go to the side and, and everyone in the family would go oh my stop don't say it but an OMG, an OMG, and then they go open the front door and it's OMG, and then they see this room and it's an OMG, and that room and it's an OMG. You're reducing God's name to a oh wow or a far out. Don't do that. Don't do that. This is God's name. Don't reduce it to that. Exodus 20, verse 7. Let this verse sink in. I, the Lord, will punish anyone who misuses my name. Let that sink in for a moment. God is deadly serious 
about how you use this name. It's number three on his top ten. Don't misuse my name. Why? Because it represents my reputation. It represents my character. And it represents my authority. Okay, with that out of the way, how can we use God's name correctly? Well, number one, reverence God's name continually. In other words, treat it with the utmost respect. Psalm 29.2, give to the Lord the glory due His name. Even Jesus, when He prayed, what would He say? Hallowed be Thy name. Jesus approached God the Father that way. And I want to challenge you today to not only guard your own tongue, your own lips, but when somebody close to you, and you got a relationship with them, don't do this with a stranger, but someone you have a relationship with is misusing God's name, I want to challenge you to bring it up. Bring up the issue. Now do it tactfully. Because our goal here isn't to condemn anybody. Our, our goal here is to influence them to do what's right. Does that make sense? A number of years ago, uh, my brother-in-law and I, we went in on a, on a motorhome. And it needed a lot of work. And uh, so we said, we're going to devote a whole day to fixing up this motorhome. And the day was getting long, and we didn't have all the right tools. And he happened to be using, a, you, know, you know what a crescent wrench is? It's different from the socket set that could get in there. And he's in there busting his knuckles on this and on that. And throughout the day, he was just, everything he worked on, from the muffler to the tire, got a GD. And finally, I just said, Dave, do you really think God is going to damn everything you tell him to? And it took him back. He's like, I know it was hot. I know he was frustrated. I know it was just one of those things. But I just couldn't take it anymore. And he looked at me. This is a believer. I baptized this guy probably a year or two before that in his own swimming pool. And so I called him out on it. And rather than getting on me, he goes, you know, I hadn't even really thought of it that way. You know why? It had become such a part of his repetition and routine and vocabulary that it was almost like instinct. It was a habit, but he thought about it. I like that. Challenge people to think about it. So, you say, Bruce, what does this have to do with building strong families? Well, the number one place to work on our mouths is in the home. The number one place to work on our mouths where we mostly speak unkind words is in the home. Verbal abuse is rampant in families. And it's destroying relationships. So, how do we use it correctly? With reverence. Number two. A second way we can use it correctly is to represent God's name clearly. Here's what 2 Timothy 2.19 says. A person who calls himself a Christian, anybody here call yourself a Christian? Watch this. Should not be doing things that are wrong, like breaking the third commandment. Now, God's not asking for perfection here. None of us are perfect. Yeah, there's going to be slips. There's going to be falls along the way. But He's reminding us that people are watching you. People are listening to your words. They're watching your behavior to see if your actions are any different. And as followers of Jesus, 
We are to carry His name like a logo into the world, into our workplace, into our schools, into the gym where you work out, wherever. Uh, you remember when Tiger Woods uh, was coming up really strong and Nike came and offered him this huge contract to, uh, can, we, can, can we put a little swoosh on your golf ball and on the hat that you wear and on the shoes that you wear for golf and on your golf clubs themselves? And he got millions of dollars to represent what? The name of Nike. He represented Nike. Swoosh. And God says, look, if you're a Christian, you represent my name. Just like a logo. Do you get that? It, it's, it's the name of God that you represent. You're not out there just on your own. And then number three, rely on God's name completely. Oh, this is, I want you to hear this one. I want to take away some pain and some stain because maybe some of you are under conviction today. There's something you can do about that. You can rely on God's name completely. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm getting to heaven on His name, not my name. Does that make sense? It's His name that I'm getting into heaven. It is in the name of Jesus that every tongue shall confess, that every knee shall bow. Psalm 33, 21. No wonder we are happy in the Lord. Why? We trust in His holy Name. That's where my trust is. It's not in my name. It's not in your name. It's not in the name of any church. It's in the name of Jesus Christ Himself. Now, there are many promises in the Bible regarding God's name. Jesus said, If you ask anything in my name, you will receive it. What's He talking about there? Prayer. So, have you ever wondered, why do we pray in Jesus' name? I remember when I first started going to church as a little kid, we didn't have cross point cool stuff like cross point kids. We had to sit in there with a the preacher, man. I'm like eight, nine years old, bored to tears. But the one thing that caught my attention as a little boy is whenever a man got up here to say a prayer, he would always say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Did you ever wonder, why do we do that in Jesus' name? Here's why. I cannot go directly to the Father on my own. I need a bridge. I need a mediator. And that's who Jesus is. There is one mediator between God and man. Himself the man, Christ Jesus. And so I pray in His name. I give glory in His name. I take communion in His name. I'm so far down on the run because I'm a human being. I need Jesus to filter everything up to the Father. Even my Lord's suppers. You ever take a Lord's supper and you're just, oh, get the crab, get the juice. You're just not into it. It's maybe your mind's on a million different things. I had a tough one today. My four-year-old grandson got his hand snapped in a rat trap this morning. <laughs> He's okay. <laughs> nobody's fault but I had to somebody manage somebody maybe help me put his hand in the ice bucket and then Jane took over the job I think the ice bucket hurt worse than the rat trap right <laughs> but my mind wasn't all there and yet you know what I didn't say I'm not going to take communion today 
I said, Lord, the best I know how, I'm going to pray for communion. And I'm going to pray for my grandson. And I want to thank you that by your stripes we're healed. And as I'm eating the bread and drinking the fruit of the vine with my wife, kind of in a hurry back there because she was tending to him, I was saying, by his stripes we are healed. Would you heal my grandson's hand today? Help him feel him better. And he's with Cross Point Kids still having a good time. But all that had to be father filtered by Jesus Christ, who is my mediator. I went through the name of Jesus today as I took communion, and so did you. And when we pray, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Now the bad news is, you're going to be judged for every idle word that you speak. If you were to be judged by this here third commandment, would you be found guilty or innocent? Here's the good news. You can skip judgment by trusting in the name of Jesus Christ. Ooh, isn't that good? You can skip judgment by trusting in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. John 20, verse 31, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life. That's what we all want. Where do we find it? In His name. You can pass from death to life. You can, you can pass from judgment to forgiveness. Where? Only in the name of Jesus. Boy, that sounds narrow-minded. Not my words. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. That's not narrow. That's being loving when you speak the truth in love. Well, how do I get this? Well, you've got to let God change your heart. How many of you, like me when you were young, had your mother wash your mouth out with soap? You don't have to raise your hand. It happened to me a couple of times. Okay, yeah, I see, you. I see that hand. Did it work? It didn't work for me. What I needed was not more soap when I said a bad word. What I needed was a changed heart. Here's the good news. Jesus can change your heart this morning. Jesus is the answer. Luke 6.45, our last verse, and then we'll pray. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Ultimately, the only way to clean up your language is to have a change of heart. And Jesus can do that. Do you want to pray with me this morning and ask Jesus to do that? Why don't we do that right now? You know, God says, don't misuse my name. Use it with reverence. Use it with awe. Be very serious when you use my name. It's not a laughing matter. Now, some of you may be thinking, Boy, Bruce, this is a habit. I, I've, got, I've got the disease. I've got a dirty mouth. And who knows where it came from. Maybe it started when you were uh, in, in, in school, maybe in the military, uh, maybe at your workplace. Uh, who knows, the gym, wherever. The, the fact of the matter is you've sinned. You, you, you need a changed heart. So what do you do? You tell God you're sorry, you apologize, apologize for misusing his name, and then tell him, hey, I didn't realize it was really this big a deal. 
Uh, our society doesn't make a big deal about it, and so I'm kind of a victim of my society. But God, I now realize by looking at your holy word that it is a big deal I ask for your forgiveness. And then commit that problem and your life to God. Say, Jesus, I commit my life to you, and I give my heart to you, and I commit my tongue to you. See, you can't represent God if you don't know him. And the way you get to know him is through faith, repentance, putting him on in baptism, and walking in the light as he is in the light, trusting Jesus every step of the way. Lord, if there be one here today that hasn't named you as Lord and Savior, may they do so this very morning. In Jesus' name.